Welcome to the Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 4-12-2023, and we're ready to begin our worship service this evening. Let's have prayer. Thank you, Father, for those who have joined. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And we are glad to be here, Father, as we approach tonight. We pray for humility, wisdom, and we will be able to understand the will that you have for us. Father, I pray that the words I speak will be clear and according to what the spirit of truth has given us. We pray, Father, for those who are sick among us, and you know the those who are on our hearts. And we pray, Father, that we will be challenged to develop the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. All of that we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, all right. So we have been studying, as you know, in the, uh, Romans chapter 12. And I think we still are in verse 2. Uh, we've been dealing with a lot of, uh, I think, important issues. Um, and we just are at the last couple phrases of the verse. And the verse is, do not conform, is Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so that's where we're at. Um, but this last couple phrases, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, is all we have left in Romans 12 too. So let's head to the notes. I know we... Um, what is interesting is I find that we are studying in the book of Galatians on Sunday, and I'm finding a lot of parallels between uh, that study and this Wednesday Romans study. Um, so it's interesting how both of these things are dovetailing uh, so that we are learning about dispensations and this new age and all these things that are... Uh, coming up in the text for us, I think is rewarding uh, that we are complemented by both passages on both days, uh, giving us different angles. So, but we, we are going to jump right into the notes. It seems like we're always pressed for time, so we're going to get right into it. You should have notes, and in your notes, as we continue our subject of worship, Paul gives us more description of what God requires. We will hear from God in these verses about what we should be doing after salvation. God has a plan for our lives. And our first goal is to, quote, find out what pleases the Lord, unquote. It comes from Ephesians 5.10. We need to take our time with these verses because they describe the motivation for our walk. And we have been taking our time with these, these phrases here because uh, we, we can almost say this is sort of like a series because we need to understand how we are to walk. 
And if people ask the question, after we are saved, and we know salvation is free, it's a gift that does not speak about who we are. We don't bring our works. We don't bring our personality or all the things that we would like to say about who we are. We just leave all that behind and we look at the work of God. We, it's not about us. It's about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. But then, after we are saved and we believe in Christ, we are saved. Now, what do we do for the rest of our lives? What, what does God want us to be doing? What, what's the plan? Is, is there a prescribed and uh, definite plan for us to function according to after we're saved? And according to these two verses, the answer is clear. Yes, it is. We need transformation of mind. So we've covered a lot of this and we're going to get right to it. I realize the time, but I'm going to go to point number four in our notes where it says the spirit of truth is our agent in the transformation process. But I'm going to go all the way down to point D. Point D. While the spirit of truth brings new information about the risen Christ for salvation, and that is true according to John 16, 8 through 11, he gives specific information on how to grow up in Christ, also known as sanctification. So when I say also known as, I mean to say that the Christian world does use the word sanctification. And that is a very common term that you will hear Christians use. Uh, what does it mean? It means to be set, af set apart for God's special use, for his purposes. That's what it means to be sanctified. It doesn't mean to get happy or speak in tongues or all these things. It means that we are set apart for God's special purposes. And now, of course, that begs the question, what are God's special purposes? We, we, we would have to ask that question. We're not going to answer it here because we're still sort of in review. But um, it's coming. The answer is coming in the next couple phrases. So let's get to it. Point E. How does he lead us into all truth? Spirit of truth reasons with us using the Word of God, illuminating it so that it is understandable and specific to the Father's plan. Now, you got to think about this part. This is a very important uh, point in point E. This is 4E. How does the Spirit lead and guide us into all truth? How does it happen? He reasons with us from the inside. And that's important to note because... Everybody has the Word of God. We all have the 66 books that are there, have had them for many years. It's not anything new. But yet, there's all sorts of confusion about what it means. Well, the Spirit of Truth, as we look at the Word of God, focusing on the context that He provided, provides us the meaning of what is said. And we reason together with the Holy Spirit 
and according according to the facts or the the scriptures that are there in the in the New Testament to arrive at what is meant by uh, the things that are written. So we're We've been doing this. We did this uh, as we approached salvation. We had to look at those verses and say, okay, these are the verses. What do, we, what do these verses mean? We allowed the Holy Spirit to use the context to help us understand what they could mean, or not only what they could mean, but what they must mean. For instance, there is none righteous, not even one. And we, we can reason with that. Well, is it talking about me? No, no, it can't be talking about me. Oh, yes, it is talking about me. That's what we have to come to the reason and understanding that it's about everybody. It's not, there are no exceptions to these unequivocal statements. Of course, people may not realize that these statements are such and, and that they are universal for every person that was ever born in Adam. They're for everybody. They may not know that. So the Holy Spirit helps us through the context to come to the realization that, yes, that is what he's speaking about. If you look at the previous verse, are we Jews any better? No. The scriptures is clear. Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. So there is, then the next verse, there's none righteous. So it has nothing to do with Jews, Gentiles, every single person born in Adam is born a sinner. Now, this is not me coming to this understanding and I'm smart and you said, boy, Doug really is a whip here when it comes to this. Not, not at all. Because I was on the other side of this. I did not believe that that was the case. I looked at that verse and looked right over it. Didn't pay attention. Oh, yeah, we're not righteous. All our righteousness is filthy rags. But then at the same time, I was maintaining some sort of righteous standard in my head. I didn't allow that verse to penetrate. I resisted it. So how did God get me to see that verse? It was God the Holy Spirit. It was his internal work on my soul. And he did. He, he worked it so that he taught me how to understand that verse. I didn't understand it. I didn't come to the realization of it. The Spirit taught me that. And this is how he reasons with us. And we come to solid conclusions. Of course, when we see it, when we get on the other side of it, now we see that. We, I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you it's universal, it's for everybody. Because you all know that. And you've looked at the context, and you've examined it, and you've seen for yourself and allowed the Spirit to teach you. So there it is. That's what it's all about, allowing the Spirit to teach us. We got the Word of God. And it's not general, it is specific. So let's get into point number five. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We really have to take some time to get into this now, it's time. Uh, it is important that we look at these verses and uh, here we go. So the first point is A, then. It is safe to say that we don't know what God's will is until our minds are transformed. Think about that statement for a second. There is a progression of time here. First, he's telling us in the verses 1 and 2, we have to stop being conformed to the pattern of this world. 
Well, the only way we can do that is humility. Because the pattern of this world, everybody's going to think their culture, their religious training, their upbringing, what they learned when they were growing up, all the things that mama taught us or brother so-and-so or uncle or father or whatever it is, we're going to all think, yeah, that's the truth. Well, when we stop allowing ourselves to be conformed to this world, then we're allowing God to teach us. That's what we're saying in essence. We're having some objectivity. We're having humility towards God because the scripture tells us that his ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts our thoughts. So if we understand that God is different and we have to stop and say, well, we don't know. We don't know. And God is going to have to tell us what his will is. So that's where we are in this verse. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And we need that desperately. The Christian world needs this desperately. So that progression where you first have to stop. And then it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, we just came from that verse, that phrase. And so we understand that there's an inside work going on by the Holy Spirit, working on our souls to help us know how we can depart and accept what God's will is. Depart from the cultural uh, standards and norms that have bound us our entire lives. Depart from the traditions and religious training that we've had and allow God to just openly teach us. Not worried about what people will think not worried about what this or that church says, just looking at the Word of God as our only source of truth and allowing that to be our true north. And that's where it is. So that's, once you allow God to teach you, once you you open your heart to say, okay, God, teach me, tell me, then you will be able, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And most people aren't willing to let God teach them. They just are not. They're stubborn. They're resistant. They're arrogant. They're confident about what they believe. And it doesn't matter. If you, if you question them, you say, well, where'd you get that? Why, did, why do you believe what you believe? What? And then they'll start shuffling and they may turn to a verse or that, this verse or that. But... It's not to say you shouldn't listen to them. Maybe they believe things that are true. But it all has to be tested. And if you've grown up and all you've believed is what you've been told as a child, you've never stopped to examine the things you believe to say, well, why do I believe these things? Say to yourself, hey, Dave, Dave, why do you believe the things you say? This is not me saying this to Dave. This is Dave saying this to Dave. Dave, why do you believe the things that you believe? Bill, why do you believe the things that you believe? I, okay, I, this is the, the belief I have. Where is it in the Bible that it says these things? Can I put my eyeballs on it? And if I can, let me look at it in context. Is it really saying the things that I say I believe? Take the time to look at it. To examine it. And we have rules. Not just, okay, whatever we want. We have rules of how to interpret the Bible. 
Those are helpful to us. So this is part of the whole part. You've got to stop. And if you, listen, understanding salvation is one thing. But when we come to understand a new way of life, it's going to require as well that we take our time and examine. Because we, we said it best. Before we are able to add things that we believe, we will have to throw some things out that are there. And that's important for us to know. We can't have it both ways. We can't hold on to the things that we initially held and then, do, and then do, turn around and adopt things as well. So I was thinking about this one question today. I know we're not getting very far, so yeah, but that's all right. So the question was, in my head, what is our way of life? Our way of life was hidden in God. He did not reveal it to Israel. Do not reveal it to Gentiles in any way, shape, form, or prophecy. It was not revealed. So there's, there's interesting things about the kingdom of God and Old Testament, all that. And then the kingdom of God theme is carried forward to the New Testament. But you know what people have done? They have decided that the kingdom of God is a part of our destiny. When really, if the kingdom of God is part of our destiny, then what is said about the mystery is not true. Because it says it's not found, it was hidden God, it wasn't even revealed to angels, it wasn't revealed to anybody in prophecy form or any other form, period. So it can't be, our destiny cannot be the kingdom of God, especially as we think about what are we supposed to be doing here? What is God's purpose for us? And that's, that's how we have to begin to look at this. What is God's purpose? He has this new purpose, which comes with a new dispensation, new thought, new, his, but, but not only that, it's his plan that's being revealed. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So the first one is, is safe to say, we don't know what God's will is until our minds are transformed. So don't even think about it until you've done what we just talked about. Till you've allowed the Spirit to teach you, then don't think that you know what God's will is. Don't assume. If anything, we should be distrustful of who we are. Because remember, whatever we learned, we learned in darkness. We learned in Adam. All the things you learned about God, all the things you learned about what God wants from you, all the, all the things you learned about salvation as an unbeliever, are not God's thoughts. You got to be willing to allow God to teach you. And then, well, salvation may, may be the same in every age from the beginning to the end, but this information is unique. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9, what, I, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. Why? Why? Because... God hid this information from hum, human beings. It is his thoughts that he hid within himself, and nobody knew it. So that information, certainly we're not going to be able to know until God reveals it by the Spirit. Let's keep going. Point B, be, you won't be able. You will then know the Father's plan. If 
It says, then you will be able, once your mind is transformed, you will be able to know the Father's plan because that is what the Father has told us. That is what has been revealed to the extent that you will have wisdom regarding your life's purpose. Now, everybody wants to know their life's purpose. <coughs> Even the people in the world, excuse me, are saying, why am I here? What's my purpose? What was I created for? What, do I, what is my niche in life? What, where, where do I really fit in? Right? Everybody wants to know that. And some people don't. They, they don't come to it. Their lives are lived out in mundane terms. And you know they never feel like they've accomplished what they, sh they felt like they needed to accomplish. Why did God create me? All those questions about understanding why we're here. God has an answer for all of that. And the only way you're going to know what that answer is, mm -hmm. is that you are transformed. That your mind is transformed, renewed. God already made you new. He already baptized you in the Spirit and united you to the person of Christ and filled you with the Spirit, indwelt you with the Spirit, gifted you. All these things have already happened, but you don't know about it. So how can you know? How can you know what your true purpose is? How can you know what that thing is that feels that is center to your soul? You've got to have your mind renewed with divine information. It's the only way. It's not going to happen through emotions. Or maybe you had an emotional experience where you just feel like, you know, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel like this is the right thing for me. You might feel that. But if that is something that was discovered in the dark and not according to the Father's eternal purpose, which he revealed, and now you're a believer, a new creation, and all that, it, it, it's not going to be your purpose. Emotions come and emotions go. I think we can all understand that that's so. We feel really strongly about a thing, and then we just don't anymore. So we can't live our lives by how we feel. We have to live our lives by what God's purpose for our lives is. You know, it's like using a tool for the wrong purpose. You, it, you know, if you use a, a <clears throat> some sort of wrench for as a hammer, it might work fine for a while. But after a while, you're going to destroy that tool because it's not a hammer. It wasn't made for that. Well, what did God make you? What did he call you? Who are we? God called us from eternity past. That's, this is who we are. This is who we have become. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's Ephesians 1.4. That's how, that's who we are according to what God has made us. And we got to come discover that so we can live it before we can live it we got to discover what it is let's keep going so you you'll be able to this is point b you'll be able then to know the father's plan that's once you're transformed to the extent that you will have wisdom regarding your life's purpose 
point C, test and approve. So this is dokimazo. This is the Greek word, and it's, that's what it means, to test and approve. Let's look at some of the definitions here. To test, examine, prove, scrutinize. Isn't that interesting? Scrutinize. When have you done that one as it relates to your life's purpose? What God called you to be? It needs some scrutinize. Uh, this word is that you carefully examine every detail of what God has called us to be. To see whether a thing is genuine or not, as metals, right? People examine metals, they scrutinize them to examine them. Point, or, or the second definition is to recognize as genuine after examination, to approve, deem worthy. All this comes from Thayer. So I think these definitions certainly are translated properly in our English versions. Test and and prove test to test and approve what God's will is. Point D. Before we can understand God's will, we must know it and apply it to our lives. Right? This this is most important. Now I have actually, hold on a sec. Let me get my note here on this because I've been looking at the last notes here. Stand by. So here it is. <clears throat> so we're in point point C. Well, we actually I skipped a point. I got point D now. I was looking at last week's notes, but I did add this. So point D is what what God's will is. So if you look at the phrase, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So point D examines what God's will is. It is it is it understanding the Father's plan, which is now revealed, and as it says in Ephesians, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So this is the plan of God. Remember, this is not salvation. If it was salvation, nobody could be saved because it was hidden God. Who would know it? No one. No one could be saved if they didn't know the way of salvation. It wasn't made known to, to people in other ages. Well, this has been made known now, but it was hidden. What is it? It is our way of life, what God called us to be, our destiny. So, what God's will is. Isn't that what we all want? Right? Well, what do religious people want? This is at least what they say. They want to please God. They're doing things to please God. They're working hard to please God. But Jesus had something to tell them. He says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. So they're spending all their time working on external behavior, what people see. And they're saying, if, if we can, you know, do what God wants us to do, we will be pleasing God. Well, you know, that's an admirable thing to think about, that is, pleasing God. It's admirable. I, I have to say, that's a good thing. But it is putting the cart before the horse, right? The first thing that we can, we got to please God in is salvation. Salvation is not of ourselves. It is not of works. It is the gift of God. 
right? So if you can't follow and please God when it comes to salvation, how can you possibly please him when it comes to understanding your purpose? You can't. That's the, that's the point. Right? So the only way is for us to look at what God has hidden and that now he has revealed for us. This is the age in which we find ourselves. So it is important. Point E, if you discard, neglect, deny, or resist that this is God's will, you are resisting the spirit of truth who was appointed to reveal it. Now we saw that, and when it comes, Jesus kept telling us from John 14 to 17 when he was laying out the introduction for this new age and the church and this new entity before God. And, and he was saying, when the Spirit comes, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Spirit. All that is a part of this new age. And then, not only do we have the baptism of the Spirit, but the Spirit himself is now on the scene. It is his job, not only to enlighten people to the salvation that we now have the, the new additional information to the salvation that oh it's not just some messiah to come it's that messiah it's this jesus who came and died and rose again he's pointing out the specifics of now there is no question about who what name or who it is under heaven whereby we must have salvation it is only the name of jesus so the Holy Spirit comes to, when it comes to salvation, he points out those particulars that have now come through the death, from the virgin birth, the, the life and the death and the burial, the resurrection, ascension and session of Jesus Christ. That's additional information. But the way of life now that we have is this new life, right? So that's what point, if you disregard the only way you can know this life is through the Spirit. I think we covered that last week, so I don't know that we need to, to go and beat that up anymore, but it's the Spirit of Truth. That's the source where we get this information. Point F, before we can understand and do God's will, which is what everybody wants to do, we must know it and apply it to our lives. So think about that. A lot of people want to do God's will, but they don't really take time to examine the things they're saying, you know, the church they grew up in, all the things that, you know, we got to take time to look at. Well, what are the implications? Is this in the Bible? Well, where does it say this in the Bible? Let's, look, let's allow God to examine. Let's show us the reasoning for that. And this is how it all works. We begin to question and God provides the answers. So there is a learning period. That's point G. There is a learning phase in our spiritual life that is neglected by many religious traditions. The spirit of truth is here to leading, lead us into this new truth. And I just say, learn wisely. Take your time. All right? God has also given us pastors who are under the authority of the spirit of truth. Right. They're not under their own authority. The spirit of truth is taking whatever we are learning from the mind of Christ. So just note that pastors are in God's uh, uh, 
opportunity for us to learn how we learn. But there is a learning phase. So a lot of churches will teach you, once you are saved, I don't even, can't even say that because the way they talk about salvation, they've combined it with the Christian way of life. But even the ones that, that do talk about you're saved and then they turn to living the Christian life, they just talk about get out there and start witnessing and this and that. They don't talk about learning. It, that's not a, a consideration. Uh, not, I mean, they do have classes and they're constantly reading the Bible, but uh, they don't talk about the fact that there's this new age that we're in and, and there's a new dynamic and whatever, who we are, whatever we are, it is a new creation. It was never before seen. Because of that, we have to come up with the understanding of how we function. And the only way we can get that is from God. So there is this learning process everybody must go through. And the religious traditions, they teach a lot, but a lot of it is in the Old Testament, right? Trying to tell Christians and mimic, you know, these uh, Old Testament believers. And next thing you know, it turns them into, you know, it's all about stay moral and do what's good and, and be, keep the law. You know, keep the Ten Commandments. and You know, they, they've resorted to that when God has given us something so much greater by not only giving us his word, but the spirit of truth to help us understand what is written. Point H. Everyone must go through this process of renewing the mind, which we also call sanctification, to be useful and effective in the Father's purpose in Christ. Now, think about this for a second. You, if you don't go through this learning process, if you stop short of it and say, I got it, I already know what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm just going to go out and do it now, you know, you've got to take the time to learn. There is a period of learning. And I, I look at it, if we look at it in the, the world of human maturation, right? what do we do with our kids when they're small? Well, first, they got to learn basics in the family to grow up, milk. And then, first thing we do is shuffle them off to school because then they need some education. And we got to, in this country, we have, they go through grammar school, kindergarten, through, you know, elementary, and then they got the middle school, and then high school. And then, in this country, we're, we're saying college. You know, by the time college comes, I mean, the child is in their 20s before they're out finished college. Imagine that. And then we're saying, okay, go out into the world, figure out your way. You're educated now. You have enough information to go out and learn wisely. And when it comes to the Christian life, which is new, never before seen, uh, not something we could make up ourselves and say, okay, well, let's just take some from the Old Testament and Let's take how we should give and all the different things, and then we'll put it together. No, God the Holy Spirit is here to do that for us. He's the one who leads and guides us into all truth. So we can't be useful to God unless we have the education needed. How can we be effective? I mean, even if we look at the contractor analogy, where the contractor, the general contractor, is building the building, but he employs a lot of different people at different phases. You can't just show up on the job. 
thinking that you know what's going on. You got to let the general contractor tell you what's going on. You you don't you before you could be useful to that general contractor, you got to have some humility to follow his lead. He he, he may say uh you know, you show up on the job and you're the roofer, but there is no the house hasn't even been framed up. There is no roof for you to put on. There's no nothing. So you got to wait for the general contractor to say, look, it's time for the roof now. Now I need you. So it is not coordinated by when you feel like you should show up. It's according to what he is doing in the process of building the building. So we have to go through this learning process of renewing the mind. And we already talked about what we're renewing the mind with. Not just you know, be good for goodness sake. It's not looking around to see what, what good is in our minds. We got to look around and from the Holy Spirit and allow him to tell us what's good. We can't just decide for ourselves what we think good is. Got to do it according to the way God wants us to do it. He's the Holy Spirit is the one who's leading out in this. Now, you got to pay careful attention to this because... When we talk about spiritual gifts, which is coming in the conversation, guess what you need to have before you are able to function according to your spiritual gift properly? You need education. You need to grow up in Christ. And all of these things, when it comes to who we are, what our identity is, what's the Father's plan, what what are we doing here, what's the purpose of God, once all of that is solidified, that's what we're saying, renew your mind according to these things, then you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you're able, you will be able to express your gifts, you find your niche, do that thing which not only supplies and, and is good for the body of Christ, but it is also fulfilling for you as well. It's going to require humility. It's going to require you learning. All of that is important. So everyone must go through it. doesn't matter what your spiritual gift is. This is, this is for every person that's, that becomes a member of the body of Christ, a new member of the body of Christ. Well, what do we first need? Well, we need the sincere milk of the world, of the word that we may grow up in our salvation. God doesn't send children out to battle. He only sends adults. So if you're not willing to go through the training, then you're not going to be able to please God. You're not going to know what his will is, and you're not going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Let's just say it. You're not. There's no other way to get it. You can't circumvent this. You can't figure another way to do it. This is the only way. In fact, God has given us the spirit of truth for this purpose. So if you don't have the humility, if you refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit, you refuse to enter into the education of learning who you are, you're not going to be able to understand what your purpose is. I think that hopefully is clear. And if not, I would hope someone would ask, well, what do you mean, Doug? What do you mean in this area that we got to learn first before we can exercise our spiritual gifts? What do you mean? 
because we need to expand on this because people are sitting around waiting for some bolt of lightning to hit them so that, oh, I know what my true purpose is now. No, no, you don't. Not until you go through the training process of renewing your mind. Then, then you will know what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's number six in our list of was where we are. Let's look at some of these. We got a few things here. We'll cover them tonight. We're going to go over them. So point A, good, of his good, pleasing and perfect will. Let's look at what is good and it's divine good. It's not good according to you or me. It's good according to God, what pleases him. And we're not just saying, well, be good for goodness sake, like Santa Claus. Because we don't, keeping the law is not what pleases God. He told us we're not under the law. So keeping the law as a way of life for us is not pleasing to God. In fact, you're not in the will of God if that's what you're trying to do. Because we're not Israel. We're new, a new creation. Well, what is a new creation? How does it function? Like Israel? No, not like Israel. How do we function? We got to allow God to tell us how we function. If you're not willing to do that, then you are resisting the Holy Spirit. So good is divine good. Uh, and here's the scripture, and, and this is uh, Ephesians 5, 8 and 9. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Notice, you were darkness. Everything you did was in darkness. Nothing you did pleases God or was good. This is like in the verse that we, in uh, Romans 3, there is none who do good, not even one. And that, I mean, when you think about that, and you're trying to use what was darkness to please God, it just is a contradiction. He says, but now you are light in the Lord. And now live as children of light, for the fruit of, dark, of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what's in the light. Goodness, righteousness, truth. So we have to live according to the light, or as First John would say, that we walk according to the light. And we don't have all the light. We are coming into the light, so that's why we live up to the light that we have. We, don't, if we, we can't do what we don't know to do. We do what we do know, what God ha has revealed to us to know, and that's what we live up according to. But this verse pretty much tells us the good. You can't perform any good in the darkness. It doesn't work. And so leave the darkness behind, and we got to be able to find out what best pleases the Lord. Point B, pleasing. This is good, pleasing. And there it is, the verse, Ephesians 5.10. And find out what pleases the Lord. Uh, and that's an important verse to consider, Ephesians 5.10. I want to sh show you what Wiest has to say about it. Ephesians 5.10 from Wiest. It says, as children of light, be habit this is previous verse, be habitually conducting yourselves 
for the fruit of this light is the sphere of every beneficence and righteousness and truth, putting to the test and approving what is well and pleasing to the Lord. And stop having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather be rebuking them so as to bring out confession and conviction for concerning the things done in secret by them. It is shameful to be speaking. Yeah, so, so this is, <clears throat> that's interesting. Uh, stop here. Here's another one. Um, yeah, stop therefore becoming joint participants with them. For you were once times darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Yeah. So, so this is, yeah, oh, here, here it is. This is the part where it says <coughs> in 5.10, it is translated, and find out what pleases the Lord. Here's what he's saying here, as children of light, be habitually conducting yourselves, right? So um, according to the light, That's, that is habitually. In other words, having a pattern, a habit of conducting yourselves according to the light. That's important for God and for you. So you can be always trying to find out what pleases the Lord. Point C, his perfect will. Living in this world as those in Christ, fulfilling God's purpose for our lives, according to our calling and gifts. So that's what his perfect will is. What is it? It's, it's You're here, I'm here, and we're living in this world in Christ. We're fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. That's his perfect will for us. And if we look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 7, let's look at that really quick. Um, here we go, 4. 1 through 7, as, prisons, prison, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of, your call, of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and is in all. But here it is. But to each one of us, even though we're all united and have the same things, the same plan, everything, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. There it is. We have unique, special grace. Each one of us just has Christ apportioned. He gave gifts. And now, once Christ gave the first communication gifts, then he turned it over to God the Holy Spirit. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the Spirit now provides spiritual gifts for every one of us. So this is, uh, this is what his perfect will is for us. It, it is the fact that we get to express who we are in Christ through the ministry of the Spirit and in our knowledge of who we are in Christ. Point D, this requires, this, what is it going to take for us to get there? It requires humility. 
objectivity. This is what we talked about, right? God's got to break us down before he can build us up. Courage. <laughs> because you, it's gonna, when, you, when God is done with you, it's not, you're not going to look like you did before. You've got to be willing to give up who you are in this world. Who you think you are. When you look in the mirror and you see that person looking back at you, you got to be willing to change who that is. But not according to your terms. Oh, you were parting your hair on this side. Now you want to part it on that side. No. Now you got to change on the inside. you got to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide you into all truth. And for him to do that, you got to throw out some of the things you have in there. So it's going to take courage. And trusting perseverance in the Father's plan. Hebrews 10, 33 through 35, there's a verse there that speaks to this. I'll just read it. Hebrews 10, 33 through 35. <clears throat> he says, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need per to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And that's part of why I say we need this diligent objectivity, humility, courage, right? Perseverance toward these things. You have to decide that this is what you want. This is what you want in life, what God wants for you, what he chose for you before time began. Point E, we need to be set apart for God's use before he can use us. And set apart, guess what that means? Sanctify. How can he use us if we're doing the things that we think we ought to be doing? Or if we're just busy fulfilling our own purposes, right? Well, what, what, what do you think your purpose is? Well, I'm doing that. So if he, uh, Romans 12, 4 through 8, here it is. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. That's what we read in the previous verse. If your gift is prophesied, then prophesy if in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, whatever you discover about what God has shown you, who you are, whatever, once you are sanctified, once you are set apart for God's special use, guess what? He can use you then, but not until. It is once your mind is transformed, then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's not because you took a, a class online to determine what your spiritual gift is or, or you went through and filled out a, 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 a form and now at the end of it, it'll tell you, well, if you scored between these numbers, your spiritual gift is this. And if you scored over here, 
That can't tell you what your God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for you. That can't tell you that. Only God can tell you. Because he has certainly given us a spiritual gift, as we just read. We don't have the same spiritual gifts. We can't look at others. All we can do is grow up in Christ for ourselves. And then God will tell us. We will know what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Point F, doing the will of God will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10. I think we know this already, but I think it, it is worth reminding us that whatever our vocation is, our calling, it is not about salvation. It is about us receiving rewards. Now, this is where God is He's going to note those who were faithful in time, who were believers and faithful. That's where he's going to reward us because we allowed him to use us for his purposes in this world. Remember, we have to be sanctified. We're set, of, set apart for his special purposes. And it's going to take courage. We already said objectivity, humility, perseverance. All of those things are involved. At the end of it, God is saying, hey, I will reward every man according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. If you're bad, obviously you're not going to receive reward. Bad means you didn't allow God to transform you so that he could use you for his special purposes. Point G, we don't have to invent his will. In other words, we... God is not calling upon you to just assume that you're going to do the same thing Israel did. He's not calling upon you to search your mind and think about what's, what you feel is best for you. Or, or to take one of those tests they used to have for people who didn't know what they wanted to do. Well, take these tests and we'll see where your scoring is high and that those are the things you should pursue. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to sit here and learn and, and allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Once we come to the realization of who we are in Christ and what are our assets and what is the Father's eternal purpose and why are we here, what, why this new dispensation, what will, does the Father want to accomplish in all of this? We got that now. Now God, the Holy Spirit, can, he can motivate us empower us to walk according to our purpose. We don't have to invent it. That's not our job to come up with that. It, it is God's job. All he's doing is, with this renewing process, is allowing us to come into who we are. The Spirit will, is given for this very purpose of leading and guiding us into the truth of this unique age. That's John 16, 13, where it says he will lead and guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell us things, what is yet to come. So these are, those two phrases, those last two phrases are important. I think they require more time, but um, I think we've we spent a lot of time, and there's a lot of overlap in some of the things we've said. We didn't get into the detail of all the nuance of how we, we ought to grow up in Christ. There are many things that we are learning already 
that have a, have a good start on this. And I think we have covered a lot of detail. But it is not what we cover. It is what you uh, have allowed God, the Holy Spirit, to transform your mind. That's, it's not about what I say. It's about what the humility and the objectivity that you have and the courage that you have to step out of what you were in Adam, what people perceive you to be now, the persona, the, the reputation that you have in this world will all have to go. None of that is important to God. All of that is in the darkness. Your culture, your religious training, all those things that you might have some pride in that are lodged in your heart as what is pleasing to God, all of that has to be transformed according to the renewing of your mind. We're going to stop because I did promise that we would have some time for some Q&A or some thoughts. So the floor is open. So, so I would say, listening to everything that we heard tonight, um, in order to fulfill all that you've said, one would have to be in fellowship. Um, and maybe you can uh, elaborate on just what fellowship does for the believer. Because um, I, I don't, I don't believe uh, one out of fellowship would be able to please God or or grow in a way that they can understand the things that we've just went over tonight. Yeah, I would say when we think about fellowship. <clears throat> Are we thinking about what's happening in 1 John 1, 9 and 1, 7 through 9 or 6 through 9? We have to want to do God's will, right? There's, if you're, people talk about 1 John 1, 9 as some uh, technique. Re, what is it? The rebound technique. Well, listen, if it is not your aim to grow up in Christ, then that's not going to help you. I don't care what you've done, how many times you confess your sins. I mean, that's like the Catholic uh, version. Oh, well, you go to confession. Make sure you go to confession regularly. And what do you do when you get there? Well, then you tell the priest all the sins you've done. Right? But the uh, point is, is not confessing. And that's, first of all, that's incorrect behavior. We don't confess to priests. We press, confess to God because we are priests under God already. So it is not about sin per se. It is about motivation. Now, obviously, when I say motivation, I'm talking about walking in the light as he is in the light. We talked about what's in the light already. Goodness, righteousness, truth, right? All of those things are what's in the light. God is showing us his will. That's what the, the revelation of the light is, is him showing us his will. It is our willingness, our motivation is our willingness to allow him to lead and guide us into all truth. So we have to want to do God's will. And if we don't want to do God's will, then we're not going to be in fellowship. And fellowship means how, how can two walk together? How, who's, who's walking with us? The Father and the Son. That's where our, what our fellowship is with. God, the Father, and the Son are not going to walk if we don't have the proper motivation. If we have the proper motivation 
Then it says the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Well, why would he do that? Why would he just say, well, you know what? I'm going to, it's not about your sin. I know you got the proper motivation. So if, if we have that, then it ain't about sin. God will lead and guide us into all truth. But not to, so, so sin is important to God. He's not saying, oh, well, you, you don't, it doesn't have any consequences. Because sin will dull your spiritual sight. It, it will cause you to lose focus. So that's why we have it. If we confess our sin, in other words, it's possible that we can get off into thinking that we have been, you know, we're involved in this or that particular sin. Or in First John or First John two, where it says, "If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous." So God has provision for when we step out of the light. He has provision for that. And what do we do if we step out of the light? We confess it. When we confess that sin, we are saying, we are agreeing with God that it is a sin. That's what, first thing we're saying is, yes, it was a sin. Yes, I stepped out of fellowship. It's nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with living. Yes, God, I did that. I admit it. I, I'm out of line. And God is saying, if you do that, he, it's not about sin, because remember, Christ paid for all the sins. He's faithful and just, will give us that sin, which means he will restore fellowship and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yeah, we still, we still need that constant cleansing from God that goes on, just like it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of his son cleanses of all, all sin. And we have fellowship one with another. So this motivation that we have to walk in the light is the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. God is constantly transforming our minds. So we're going to know what walking in truth is. And when we step out, the Holy Spirit is going to let us know. Now there is a verse that says, if we claim to be walking in the light, but we're really not, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're deceiving. Listen, you can't, God, there is truth. There is light that God has. You can't allege to be walking in the light. you got to be walking in the light to have fellowship. It's, there is no, so your motivation has, it, we have to check your motivation. Not we, but God will check it. Because you won't get anywhere with God in terms of fulfilling the spiritual life that we've been talking about until you have the proper motivation. I mean, it's a waste of your time. And I could say you're wasting God's time, but listen, he's doing everything he can to curb your behavior so that you do understand who you are and and make the right choices. But it is still up to you to make the right choices. Like I said, everybody wants to find who they are. What their what God's will for them is? Why did He create me like this? What does He want from me? What is fulfilling of His will? That should be the motivation that drives you. And if that is not your motivation, if your motivation is just to satisfy your own will, to do what you want pleases, to do what pleases you, and all that, well, then listen. Salvation you can have that because it's free. It's a free gift, but you will not grow up because you will be resisting the Holy Spirit and you will not see light and God will discipline you, train you and try to curb that behavior 
until you leave here. And you will not be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. And you will not come to that place where we were saying you will find your niche and understand what God's purpose is and understand who you are in Christ and the uniqueness that he's caused you to be. You won't have all of that. So ultimately it will work out this way at the judgment seat of Christ. Some will pursue God's will for their lives and some will not. It's not for me to judge which one did or didn't. God says it's the judgment seat of Christ. He will, they will have to stand before him if they're saved. And then God will, the Lord Jesus Christ, who did suffer and commit his life to the Father's plan fully. I love the Father and do exactly as the Father has commanded. He went to the cross, paid for the sins of the world, did exactly what he was supposed to do, humbled himself. You have to stand before him and he will tell you whether you receive a reward or not. Listen, he does the work. All we do is give him the will to use our bodies in this world. He does the work within us. So it's about motivation. What is your motivation? If you don't have the proper motivation, confessing your sin is not going to help you. Anyway, where are you going? <laughs> you go on, you just it's like the Roman Catholics who are saying I confess to the priest but then they go right back and live their lives the way they want and then they come back and oh, I confess again what did you learn from that what was the purpose of you going through the understanding that you walked outside the will of God at some point, like it says, it is the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. As we keep agreeing with God, we keep agreeing and saying, yes, God, we, we agree that was a sin. Yes, God, we agree it was a sin. But then we keep walking in it because we like it. Then we will not grow. We will not come to this fullness and stature of Christ. We will not be blessed with God showing us who we are and what is our true purpose. I pause, Bill. Okay. So there's one other thing. Um, so, so when a person uh, trying to work out the plan of God comes to an understanding of, of that truth, and God actually, the Holy Spirit guides them unto these truths, and He manifests Himself so that we can understand that what it is His plan is, and, and we're trying to fulfill that plan. And like you said, sometimes we do um, define ourselves in some kind of sin, or 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 what we say out of fellowship. So at that point. Let's say a person doesn't get back into fellowship. What does that do for that growth that he that he knocked it up to? Does does it diminish or does it just stop there? Well, we just got to know that growth is optional for every believer, and and so if a person refuses to put themselves in a position to grow, which is a position of humility and allowing the Spirit to teach and lead and guide them. 
then no, they will not come to the understanding of what the Father's plan is. I mean, they won't understand what their what God's purpose for them is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. They will not. Because you have to have your mind transformed before you can get to that. Right? So there's a progression. Remember we talked about in a lot of religious training, they, once they get to and say, oh, you believe in Christ? Okay, now let's get to work. That's what they'll tell you. Or let's go to the Old Testament to, to mimic what Daniel did or, or, or David or Moses or something. But they don't talk about this new age, this new purpose, the things that have eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. They don't talk about such things. Like Paul said, this is what we teach, this stuff. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit. So none of those things will be available to them. It'll be like, just like it says in 14, uh, the person who refuses the Spirit, who does not have the Spirit with regard to these understandings, will not uh, understand spiritual realities because they are spiritually discerned. And they have short-circuited that part of their life because they resist the Spirit. So you can willfully resist the Spirit. There's, I mean, we, we know it's going on all around us, but we're here trying to... This our purpose for being here. Everybody on this call, is they have a purpose of being here. They want to grow up, I would imagine. I can't say what's in your heart. But for you to come here means you are interested in what the Bible says because that's what we do. We cut out a lot of the entertainment, the, the emotion. I don't think it's about that. It's about learning. It's about understanding what God's will for your life is. And then you are able and empowered to live it. It is, you know, but everybody will have to make those choices for themselves. We can't make it for other people. I can talk about it, but I can't make it for any one of you. But everybody has to make their own choices in life. And that's what God has given them. And if they get to the judgment seat of Christ, then God will judge them accordingly. Yeah. Or us, right? Same thing. The same thing goes for us. We don't even have to worry about what other people... We have to just worry about what happens to us when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. That's mainly the thought. Other thoughts. So yours, your closing thoughts, Bill. Um, you know, I, I, I think you did a pretty good job of um, understanding a fellowship and its uses and uh, misuses. Um, and, and I think there's, there's one other one other thing that I was trying to um, maybe I didn't finish the, the last question, and it was because uh, there's a scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit bringing back remembrance of the things that I have said. So I, I, had, I was talking about a person who. Was, had met all the criteria that you had just talked about, and he was on his way. You know, God was doing a good work with him, um, but then he fell away. So, what happens at that point? Does the the uh, the knowledge that he gained from the Lord, the longer he stays out of fellowship, does it diminish? Or does when he gets his act together, it may be a year or two years down the road, does he? Where did that put this individual um, from being out of fellowship for so long? Does the knowledge that he received and gained and understood uh, at 
that time, does it start to diminish or does God just start where he left off at? Well, think about it this way. Um, it's, it, that's why we need, we didn't just say, so, so salvation, you, what do you need? You need faith, right? You need to believe in Christ. And once you believe one time, you, ha you have eternal life. But after salvation, it, the issue becomes faithfulness. It's not just faith now. It is consistency, perseverance, right? Um, it, we talked about, we translated what pleases the Lord as we should be habitually trying to find out what pleases the Lord. And it becomes a pattern for our lives where, like it says, we don't become, we don't, we're not a boxer beating the air. We're not wasting time, right? We're, because those people who are not persisting in the will of God do not allow God to, to use them here in the, in the world. Well, it's not for me to judge what's going to happen to them at the judgment seat of Christ. I do know that God says he will reward us for whatever good we have done, whether we're slave or free. I know it says that, but it is not up to us to say, well, what's going to happen to a person when they get to the judgment seat of Christ? Will they be rewarded or will they not? Right? Any question along those lines, <laughs> some of them we could say, well, I think this will happen. Like to, to those Corinthians and 1 Corinthians 11, 32 through 34, where it talks about uh, some are weak, some are sick, and a number have fallen asleep. Well, when they fall asleep, they've been judged by the Lord. I can't say when they get to the judgment seat of Christ, but I got a pretty good idea that it's not going to go well for them once they get there. There'll probably be some shame associated with their earthly life as a believer. But God is going to get the victory because he saved them, right? They believed in Christ. That's the victory. Of course, he won't get the victory for using them while in the world because they won't set themselves apart for God's special use. So I hesitate to answer, although I might have an opinion about it. But biblically speaking, it is all of us, all of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So, so we, for each one of us, we will receive what is due us for the things done well in the body. So I don't, I'm not going to focus on what will happen to somebody else. Well, I can't, I can't even see on the inside what's going on. What I do say for people is that they're one decision away from turning their lives around. One decision away. So there's hope for, for whoever it is, right? There's always hope, and we can pray for people and hope. That is all we can do. We can't make decisions. If God gives them the freedom to live lives the way they want, well, so do we. So do we. Or, or do we not? Well, no, we do. Right? We do. We relax about it. And even though we pray and when it comes to things that are out of our control, we can ask God, tell him what's on our heart. But we, he will not move the needle on their will. He will not. Because we know the result at the end of the day is some will be rewarded for they're allowing God to use them in this world, and some will not. We know that to be the case. So it's like salvation, right? 
We want everybody to be saved, and so does God. But he's not going to make people be saved. He, he made us free will individuals. And that free will shapes who we are, shapes our personality, our personhood, and all of that is shaped through that free will, the decisions we make for ourselves. God respects that. I do as well. I respect it on behalf of, of everybody here. So the fact that you show up here and you're interested in learning the will of God tells me that you're interested in finding out what best pleases the Lord and you want to please the Lord. So you don't have, I don't have to ask you, hey, are you in fellowship? Well, that's a, between you and God. And the fact that you show up here <laughs> tells me something that, hey, you're seeking God. Your motivation is, is to, to be in fellowship, to find out what pleases, to walk in the light. That's what it tells me about your motivation. Now, could I be wrong? Yes. <laughs> I can't see inside, but I can, only, I can only go by what the actions are. We're going to have to close. I know. But Bill, those are important questions. Thank you for for asking those questions. And let's, if there are more, and, and let's talk about even what we've talked about to this point, some more. Let's take some time in Q&A and do that. We can hash these things out even better, hopefully. So we're going to stop at this point. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had together. We thank you for the verses uh, that we covered and we understand how important they are when it comes to us living in this life and how uh, we should conduct ourselves as those in this particular age, this unique age where you have made something brand new out of us. We've got to find out what that is, Father. Teach us. Convict us. Lead and guide us so that we can come to the true understanding of who we are in Christ. We thank you for those who have joined and those who are on the call, those who will hear uh, this message as it goes out into the world. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.